I'm very big on signs and tone of voice and those sorts of things. And so through body language and signs, if I feel like you haven't grasped what I said, I'm going to say it again. Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his father and then he will repay each person according to what he has done that's matthew 16 24 through 27 excited to be here with you for discipleship conditioning really excited for the next chapter transfiguration in matthew 17 it's probably my favorite story in the bible Uh, But I don't want to lose sight of what we have here today with Matthew 16. Some really good stories and, quite honestly, a lot that I don't understand. So I'm going to have some questions for you today, and I appreciate uh, your responses and helping me with that. So again, we thank you for being here. We're going to offer, as we always do, vulnerable and transparent lessons tailored for brothers and sisters. Uh, We would like to continue asking for your prayers as we follow God's calling on our life and we start this academy, Biblical Anatomy Academy. We plan to launch officially in January, and we've got a lot of work to do to be ready for that launch. So we ask for your prayers regarding that. We also ask for your prayers, what you uh, have going on in your life, opportunities for us to pray for you. And if you have them, please email us at prayers at biblicalanatomyacademy.com. Benefit of today is going to be a deep dive into chapter 16 in the book of Matthew. And uh, as a reminder, our mission is to equip Christian homeschool gap year and college students with the understanding that their anatomy is biblical by connecting science with scripture so they can better understand God's divine handiwork in their lives start off with a story today, kind of a two-part story. Uh, One is me as a teacher, and two would be an example teacher that I had in college. Both, I think, are applicable for Matthew 16. So I have heard from a number of people that I repeat. I repeat things over and over and over again, much to the annoyance of my fellow man. And in my mind... I'm very big on signs and tone of voice and those sorts of things. And so through body language and signs, if I feel like you haven't grasped what I said, I'm going to say it again and I'm going to say it in a different way. And sometimes body language is good to read. Sometimes it's not. Um, But as we'll see here in Matthew 16, Jesus gives lesson after lesson, and he even says, like, how do you not get this? 
how do you not understand uh, that I wasn't speaking directly to Levin, as, as we'll discuss here in a little bit. And I, I can relate to that. I certainly can relate to the student side more than I can relate to the teacher side. But I can relate to saying something in a way that no matter how many times I say it, people don't understand what I'm getting at or where I'm coming from. I feel like I'm confined within the limitations of language. I think most times I can articulate stuff quite well, but sometimes I feel like the English language, at least is how I understand the English language, has gaps within the language and I cannot convey. I can't just take a USB, plug it into my head, take it out and plug it into your head and we understand the same thing, thought for thought. And so that can be certainly frustrating. And again, I recognize and relate to what Jesus is saying here in chapter 16. But as my second story dives into, I more relate with the student side of that. I remember in college, there was one professor specifically that I really looked up to. A very knowledgeable individual seemed to have an answer for everything. And in class, that was great. That was the way that he geared his class. He would provide those answers. But in office hours, it was a completely different approach. And so I remember the first time going to visit him, and I had a question. It was about muscle hypertrophy, bodybuilding, those sorts of things. can't remember exactly what the question was, but I present it to him, and he says, that's a really good question. What does research say? And I was like, what do you mean, what, what does research say? And he's like, well, what research have you done to find out what the latest science on the subject shows us? And I was, to be honest with you, I was very frustrated. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Um, You know the answer. I can tell that you know the answer and you're not going to give it to me. You want me to go right back out the door and find it. I, I may as well not even have come by. And of course, at that time, I didn't realize what he was trying to teach me. Now, I actually do the same thing to students, and now I'm the annoying teacher. But as I was in the library day after day researching not only this subject, but many other subjects, I realized the value in being responsible for my own learning. I learned a big thing that day, that if I was always going to an instructor on office hours... And relying upon them, I was always reliant upon them for my information. But as soon as I broke free and I realized that I could sort of cut out the middleman and I could go find the information for myself, it really helped tremendously. In fact, it probably saved me about $40,000, maybe even more, because it saved me from a PhD program. Now, those of you that know me or have been listening to the podcast for some time, know that a PhD is certainly in my future. But right after my master's, I was set to, not set to, but I was really looking strongly at a PhD in neuroendocrinology, study of the brain and the endocrine system and the relationship between the two. Really fascinated by neurotransmitters and even more fascinated by hormones. Which sounds kind of silly because sometimes a neurotransmitter and a hormone are the exact same thing. But nevertheless, I didn't go down that path because I realized through those lessons that that teacher had taught me is that I can go purchase the textbook 
find the source of information, teach myself. If I have questions, there's references throughout the book to the original scholastic work where the information was gathered, and I can find those through many different libraries. Not a problem. And so I did. And I really dove in deep on the subject matter and enjoyed my experience with it. Still have the book on my shelf to this day. Now, I will admit that the nice thing about having a course is you have deadlines. And I did not comb all the way through the book as my original intent was to. So if you're someone like me that needs deadlines, that can certainly be a benefit of going on to the next degree. But if you're not, or you're willing to self-impose some deadlines, you can save yourself a whole bunch of money by seeking out sources. And essentially, that's what we're trying to do at Biblical Anatomy Academy is give you an alternative to the different types of education that are out there. Show everyone that we are a credible source of information and not only a credible source of information, but a true source of information and the only one that's teaching it this way in terms of anatomy and physiology, but from a biblical point of view and being able to give students all the resources they need to understand anatomy and physiology to their best ability. In fact, part of what I just described in that relationship with that teacher is what I'm trying to teach all the students that I have underneath my wing, underneath my tutelage, is that they need to become responsible for their own learning, autonomous learners, and hopefully set the stage for them to go on and learn whatever it is their heart desires to learn and save them a lot of money in the process. I certainly don't think that everyone out there needs to get a degree, especially in this day and age. We'll talk more about that another time. Let's get into our application. So we'll start with Matthew 16, verses 2 and 3. He answered them, When it is evening, you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be stormy today, for the sky is red and threatening. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of our times. Now this was in reference to the Pharisees and yet another challenge that they gave him. But what I pull from this is, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. I think this is applicable for me. I think this stares me right back in the face and is foreshadowing for the rest of the chapter that marks a whole bunch of confusion and a whole bunch of questions that I have personally. And I hope to get get your guidance and your help in a lot of that. I get this sky analogy, right? We know when it's night. We know when it's day. We can perceive the physical signs, but we're almost mute to the spiritual side. Now, I will, I suppose, give myself a pat on the back. Um, I actually delayed the recording of this podcast by probably about a half hour. Uh, This morning, going through some rough things. um, This past weekend, going through some rough things. And most of it is doubt and anxiety in myself. And I genuinely believe that the devil has seen that as an opportunity for attack and just gone full throttle with it. And so, again, literally earlier today, about a half hour or so ago, I started recording this and I said, you know what? Something's off. Something's not right. Let me sit down. Let me kind of regroup and pray about it and move forward. And so as much as I don't understand a lot of the contents of Matthew chapter 16, I feel this. I feel this within me 
as I move through the day, and I'm very thankful for that. I pray that I continue to travel down that awareness, that spiritual awareness, to the level that I can understand the spiritual world the same way that I understand the physical world. That's a lofty aspiration and not sure one that a human can achieve, but that's the goal. In Matthew 16, verses 9 through 11, Do you not yet perceive? Do you not remember the five loaves for the 5,000? And how many baskets you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000? And how many baskets you gathered? How is it that you fail to understand that I did not speak about bread? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Again, that's Matthew 16, 9 through 11. This is what I alluded to just a moment ago. Jesus is repeating parables, repeating teachings. And it almost seems as the way that I'm reading it, like he's utterly frustrated. Like, how do you still not get it? And I, again, can relate to that as a teacher, but also more so as a student. It goes on after that, and the disciples sort of have a light bulb moment, it appears, in realizing that Jesus is speaking to the leaven. Now, I believe when he's speaking to the leaven here, he's talking about just how bread rises due to the leaven. He's talking about the sinful nature of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and their traditions that are off, that they're not not aligned with God's word. They're more in line with their tradition than they are God's word. But if that becomes societally acceptable, it becomes le- leaven and the tradition grows. Uh, and it's a, it's a bad fruit, not a good fruit. In Matthew 16, verses 16 through 19, Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. On this rock, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven." I'm not quite sure I can imagine a compliment greater than I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven from Jesus, from God, which makes the following section even more profound after such a compliment. Now, I'm not sure if this is chronologically right after. It may be sometimes separating, but as we read it, it comes directly after and makes the following quite profound. So in Matthew 16, 21 through 23, it reads, From that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. See what I mean? 
best compliment you could get, and then you're being referred to as the devil because of the way that you're interfering with what must be done. Now, I won't get into the commentary on this because that's far above my pay grade. But to go from such a wonderful compliment to such a stunning accusation, I suppose, uh, is, is quite stark and certainly worth pondering and asking questions. Now, I would say when I look at the get behind me portion of this, I'd say, first of all, not a good idea to rebuke Jesus. Just saying that, first of all, I feel confident in that, right? Second of all, in one moment, Peter is complimented, but then immediately referred to as Satan. Now, again, I don't know that this occurred right after the other, but that's how it appears textually to me. I think this shows us the human nature and importance of man. Um, I think I've mentioned this story before, but when I was growing up and I would get in a fight, my dad would ask, did you throw the first punch? And I'd say, no, because that was just a no-go. You didn't hit women and you didn't throw the first punch. Okay, Not in regards to women. You didn't throw any punches regarding women, period. That was literally like a, a death wish, right? My father would say that if you hit a woman, like, don't come home because you won't be around, right? And I feel the same way as a father. But in regards to fighting a man, his question was, or a boy in this case, I was in second, third, fourth grade, did you throw the first punch? And if the answer was no, did you finish the fight? And if the answer was yes, I threw the first punch, then I was in some massive trouble. Not to the level that I would have been had I ever dared uh, throw something at a girl, at a woman, but you get the idea. But that's not based in biblical principles. That's based in our humanness, right? We put our stake in the ground on that. And we think there's some honor in that. Like, don't ever cause a fight, but if somebody fights you, fight back, right? And I think it's very human of us to have that approach. And as, as we conclude this uh, set of verses here, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. I think that that's, that's what I think about when I think about the things of man that I think is good and bad, wrong and evil, but it's, it's in a different realm. It's almost of the things that are physical, the people here on earth, not of the things that are spiritual, which ties back into that first couple verses. I think it was two through three that we opened with. So something to chew on there, something to think about. I know for certain we must be focal on the importance of God. And so how can we understand his ways to the best of our ability and not our own ways? Understanding that his ways are his ways and ours are ours and they are not equal. His are far greater than ours. So we need to continually humble ourselves and again be focal on the importance of God and his ways. I'll conclude here with Matthew 16, verses 24 through 27. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with 
his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. This is what we opened with, right? Uh, I want to highlight, take up his cross and follow me. Do we want to live our best life here on earth, or do we want to live our best life in heaven? I think there's a book written on that, and uh, there's a lot of controversy surrounding that book if it's the one that I'm thinking of. But with that, you have a choice, like we've talked so much about throughout Matthew. You have a choice whether you want to live your best life here or there. And if it's here, you have the choice. Go for it. But you've made a decision that then affects eternity for you, right? And God is the only one that understands our heart throughout, so we can't make the choice to have the best life here and pretend like, oh, right before we die, we're going to switch our choice and we're going to get the best of both worlds. That's a significant heart issue, and God knows that from the beginning. But if we're willing to bear the cross, if we're willing to sort of depress this life, living a selfless existence and putting others before ourselves and following the ways of Jesus, we can live our best life in heaven. And some of those promises that were given to Peter will be examples of some of the things that we would see in heaven. So I love that we serve a God that gives us a choice, that doesn't just whip us into shape and say, every tongue confess, every knee shall bow, which will happen, right? But that during this time, in the interim, if you will, you have a choice. And certainly he loves us and he wants us to make the correct choice, but we have a choice and he respects us enough to give us that choice and to give us the free will. Now, I've talked about free will a lot before and still feel the same way uh, in regards to the free will that I have been given and respecting others to have that free will. I don't see it as my responsibility to convert people uh, by force, let's say. I do see it as my responsibility to live a life worth living, a life submitted to God, and I know that people will be intrigued by that and ask, probing questions that will lead to me being able to share the gospel with them and hopefully highlight their free will within them and highlight the profoundness of them emphatically choosing God and heading down that path in their life. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world? Now, I'm probably looking at a different angle of this that most people aren't, But for me, the word prophet stands out, and that's spelt P-R-O-F-I-T. So it's the prophet like money, not the prophet like a prophet of the Bible. Okay, so let me give you a couple definitions and a couple instances that were uh, in a recent Bible study that we did that play a major role here. So for money, prophet refers to financial gain, which we cannot take to heaven. So what is that? remind you of something that we talked about a couple months ago at this point. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. That's Matthew 6, 19. But prophet, P-R-O-P-H-E-T, refers to one who proclaims the will of God. Pronounced exactly the same, spelt minor differences. Three letters difference. 
But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Matthew 6.20, the verse directly thereafter. I'm not sure there's much we need to go in there. I think those verses kind of explain themselves, and I certainly have enjoyed myself today. I'll remind you all that we are self-sponsored, biblicalanatomyacademy.com. We should have biblicalanatomy.com functioning and pointing to the same place, but if for some reason you can't access what we have through biblicalanatomy.com, just type in biblicalanatomyacademy.com. If you were to Google that, it's going to take you to one of two places. Both of the top two results are us. Uh, I believe it's the second one that is our main page. The first one is our academy. Again, I opened up asking for prayers for our academy. We are seeking an enrollment of about 10 to 20 students, and we're going to start that in January. So if you know anyone that would be a good candidate for a class of ours, particularly someone of the high school age that's homeschooled, that needs to fulfill a biology credit, uh, a gap year student that is interested in maybe going into the medical field, but they're not sure, or a student that is in college that's pre-med or whatever the case may be, and is recognizing that in their Christian nature, that something's rubbing them the wrong way with the way that they're being taught anatomy and physiology at the college level. So we invite all of those populations of individuals over to us and we will teach it correctly and get them through whatever their goals are at this time. So if you know someone that's in that ballpark, that population of individual, we would really, really love for the referral to entrust their education to us. Beyond that, again, as I've said many times before, we need ratings, we need referrals for the podcast. That continues to help us grow and gives us sort of a bigger pond a bigger platform to speak from. Take home message for today. Are we listening to our teachers? Do we need to be told time and time again? Or are we catching things the first time? Our Lord's Prayer, let us conclude with that. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Amen.